everyone. I'm excited that we have some friends from DOXA with us today. Um, one of the things that, that I really loved about planting a church was the, um, the number of other pastors that were for us when we first began. I've told many stories about um, there are some people in this town that, that had some negative things to say when, when we decided we wanted to start a church, but there were also several other bodies in town that were like, yes, we need more of that. And, and that's the posture we want to have at Revelation Church. We want to say to Doxa, who is just figuring out what it means to be a community of God's people, go, do be on mission? How can we cheer them on? How can we root for them as they plan and prepare and, and launch? And uh, it's just an exciting thing to see new birth of God's people in the community. And, and just, we want to be a part of that whenever we can. So welcome, you guys. Um, the message this morning, uh, we're, we're in a, a four-part series. Uh, we, we oftentimes go through books of the Bible. We're taking a break from Matthew right now to do a, a short series on membership. And um, so, Maybe the details of what I have to talk about today aren't going to be super uh, useful to you, but some principles maybe, and hopefully God's word definitely. Um, we are a church that has a, a formal membership structure. As a United States nonprofit corporation, you have to have rules and bylaws and things, and you have to decide early on how your organization is going to function. And we made the decision that we would have formal membership, and the members would gather from time to time, and they would vote, and they would um, uh, share their concerns and lead the church through that um, system. Up until this point in our history, we're about a year and a half old, we ha don't have any members, um, and so we are starting that process this summer. Going forward, to be a member of our church, there will be probably a class to go through, some things um, to, to work through. But what we decided to do was, for this first round of membership, we just do membership class in church on Sunday morning and get all the information and content that is necessary for that out to the whole congregation. So a couple housekeeping uh, notes about that before we get started today. Um, we are doing a question and response time at the end of this series. John, do you have that slide handy? Um, we have a phone number you can text questions into. And if the slide is not on there, it's 208-640-6565. Um, if you have questions and you want to ask them anonymously about any of this, the sermons in this series, you can do that and we will answer them or try to respond to them at least at the end. Uh, secondly, if you're interested in being a member, there's some documentation you're going to want to look at. You're going to want to look at our bylaws and our doctrinal statement and what the membership covenant looks like. And we've set up a website um, where you can look at that on our website. It's uh, revelationcda.com slash membership, I think. And I apologize, I should have uh, made sure that those slides were in there, John. Um, but if you, have, if you missed that, if you have questions about that, you just ask me at the end. And then the other thing is, since all of the things that we're talking about over these four weeks kind of go together, if you have missed a couple, uh, or if maybe you're not here today, <laughs> check out the podcast uh, and make sure you get that information because you'll want to, if you're considering becoming a member at our church, you will want that information. So to, two weeks ago, we talked about the church as a whole, what the church is. We read through the book of Ephesians together, and we just walked away 
carefully, kind of marveling at the idea that the church is awesome. To be a part of God's people, God's plan, God's mission in the world is a big deal. And we should be excited about that. And last week, we did something super cool. We held a baptism out in the garden, and we, we talked about what it meant to enter into the church. What does it mean to become a part of that body? What does it mean to confess Jesus, to proclaim his name through the waters of baptism, and to receive calling and gifting for the purpose of his mission? This week, week three, we're going to drill down even farther and talk a little bit about what it means to be a member in a specific local church, and then specifically what it means to be a member in Revelation Church. So again, friends from Doxa, you will hopefully be able to take some of these things away today. Um, but we're going we're gonna to cover a lot of ground this morning because membership in the Bible is a lot like the Trinity. The Trinity is clearly taught in Scripture. The idea that God is a Father, a Son, and a Holy Spirit, three in one, we see that. But there's not like a verse that you go to. There's not a Trinity verse that you just point to and say, this is the doctrine of the Trinity right here. The same thing goes with membership. If you want to know what does it mean to be a member in the church, how does the church organize itself with its members, there's not a like, go join a local church verse. That That doesn't exist. But as we comb through the New Testament, we see over and over again the way that the church is working And we can discern what it means to be a part of the church. And so this is going to be somewhat of a topical study. I've got a lot of scripture that I'm going to cover. You can follow along in your Bible if you'd like. We're also going to have the verses up on screen. But I want to start with um, the passage, the the text that Larry read this morning. Um, We're not going to dig deeply into this, but I just want to make note of a couple things. Paul is clear that we are one body. And this is, this is true for all of us, whether we're in Russia or China or Africa or Coeur d'Alene as followers of Jesus. It's true for all of the Jesus-loving churches in Coeur d'Alene and Kootenai County. Uh, it's true for all of us that are part of Revelation Church. We are one body. We don't have the right, we don't have the, a reason to segregate and separate. Uh, and Paul's very clear that like, if, you're, if you're not an I, you can't be like, well, no, you're, you have a role to play. You've been grafted into the church. And he says, we need each other. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Because as is true with our own bodies, we need those things and we need one another in Christ's body. Verse 27 says, you are the body of Christ, and individual members of it. And so Paul makes a distinction between the church, the body of Christ, which we've talked a lot about over the last couple of weeks, and the individual, the member of the body of Christ. So I want to take a look at a few different passages that illustrate what membership in the Bible looks like. Because, and I don't want to be too heavy-handed here, I I, I am anticipating that, um, I don't really, I don't really think that's a biblical thing. I don't think membership is a real thing. And I don't want to make that point too strongly, but I do want to answer some of those objections. So we're going to start with places in scripture that I think membership is pretty clear. Matthew 18 
Jesus is talking about what we call church discipline. Matthew 18, 15 says, if your brother sins against you, go and rebuke him in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if you won't listen, take one or two others with you so that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact may be established. If he doesn't pay attention to them, tell the church. And if he doesn't pay attention even to the church, let him be like a Gentile and a tax collector to you. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. So Jesus is talking about this situation where two people in the church are getting along. Can you imagine that? <laughs> two people aren't getting along. I've, har- I've hurt you, or you've hurt me, or something, and and. What we're supposed to do is we're supposed to go to one another and work it out privately. We're not supposed to gossip about it. We're not supposed to share it with all our friends. We're just supposed to deal with it. And so you go and you talk to your brother. You talk to your, the fellow member of Christ's body that you are in conflict with. And you say, hey, that thing you said, that really hurt. And they say, I don't care. I meant it. You're a jerk. And they walk away. And you go, wow, that doesn't really seem like the way Jesus people are supposed to behave. And I really want to make this right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get a couple trustworthy people, not my best friends who automatically take my side, but a couple good, solid people in the community. And we're going to go to my friend who I'm not getting along with. And we're together going to say, hey, here's the issue. Here's what you said. Here's what I, how I felt about it. I'm really, I'd really like to make this right. And then he's going to say, I don't care, you're a jerk. And he's going to walk away. So then you're going to bring it to the church. And then the church is going to confront this person. And if they still don't want to repent for their sin, if they still don't want to make things right, then Jesus says you treat them like a Gentile and a tax collector. The way you would treat a Gentile or a tax collector is you would say they're not part of the community. That doesn't mean you don't love them. That doesn't mean you don't care for them. But the believing community of God's people has a set of bounds to it. This is what Jesus is talking about. You, there's a responsibility for the church, the people of God, to maintain who is inside and who is outside. And that sounds awful today in our culture, right? That that sounds just bigoty and horrible and Bigoty is not a word. And um, <laughs> just, it just sounds terrible, right? But, but this is the reality. And it's the reality of any group. If you're a member of a country club or a sports team or whatever you are, there is an inside and there is an outside. And that's not a right or wrong thing. It's just a reality. And this neat thing happens in 1 Corinthians. We see this take place. In 1 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 4, Paul says, when you are assembled, well, some backstory. Uh, th- there's this man in, in Corinth who is having an illicit sexual relationship with his stepmother. And it's wrong, and it's shameful, and it needs to be dealt with. But the Corinthian church is not dealing with it. So Paul says, when you are assembled in the name of our Lord Jesus, and I am with you in spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus, hand that one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. For what business is it of mine, and this is jumping to verse 12, for what business is it of mine to judge outsiders? Don't you judge those who are inside? God judges outsiders. Remove the evil person from among you. And so he says, this person, this man who is living in open sin, open rebellion, going against the revealed word of God, needs to be instructed, needs to be dealt with. And and it seems as though he's not willing to be, 
instructed, not willing to come under the authority of the church. And so the church's responsibility is to remove them from their fellowship. Paul says it's turning him over to Satan. That's scary. If you read in 2 Corinthians, Paul says, now, now you're done with that. You need to bring him back. <laughs> he's, he's repented. He's changed. So you need to welcome him back into your community. But what I want you to see is that there's a very clear inside and outside in the church. There are people that are part of God's community on a local level, and there are people that are not. Hebrews 13, 17. The author of Hebrews, we call him that because we don't know who he is. Um, he, he writes, Obey your leaders and submit to them, since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account, so that they can do this with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable to you. So, Hebrews is saying, like, look, there's, there's leadership structure in the church, and you should obey and submit to your leaders. And we'll talk about when you maybe shouldn't do that. But in general, you should obey and submit to your leaders because they keep watch over your souls. And if you don't submit to them, if, if, you don't, if, if they've been placed there by God to lead the community and you don't honor them, then that's not good for you. It's to your benefit to submit and follow godly leadership. But my question for this verse is, because I am one of the leaders of Revelation Church, whose souls am I accountable for? God specifically says here that I'm going to be held accountable for some people. So is that like every Christian in the world? God's going to be like, you know, that guy in Bhutan that you've never, you didn't even know about. He wandered away from the faith and you didn't do anything about it. I hope not. What about all the members of the other churches around Coeur d'Alene? What about friends that just walk in for one week? Am I accountable for their souls? I don't think so. I think God's going to hold me accountable for the members of the community that I have been called to shepherd. And that is a definitive group. That's a defined set. Acts 2.41, Acts 2.42 is the famous verse about what the church looked like, but Acts 2.41 says, so those who accepted his message, Peter's message, were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. Luke records this, and the, the obvious thing that you don't immediately recognize is that someone counted everyone that professed faith in Christ that day. There was a list, and, and that's, I came from a church tradition that it's, it's called nickels and noses, right? That's all the church cares about is nickels and noses. How many people are in the seats, and what's the budget look like? I was at a, a, a gathering a week ago, and, and, and someone said, now, I know this doesn't matter, but how many people? coming on Sundays, and what's your budget like? <laughs> it's like, if it doesn't matter, then what'd you ask? And it doesn't matter, right? It's, it's, about the, it's about discipleship. It's about the growth of the kingdom. But it also does kind of matter because Luke wrote it down. He said, you know what? 3,000 people met Jesus today. And a little later, he's going to go, and then 2,000 more met Jesus. And so he's keeping track of who is in the body. Acts chapter 6 in those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. So there's some conflict. The twelve, the apostles, summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, it would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. I just think that's super rude. I, I, <laughs> it's in there, but anyway. Brothers and sisters, 
Select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole company, so they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and, holy, and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procurus, and Decanter, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a convert from Antioch. They had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So there is a specific group in the membership, the widows, and they need help with something. And they come to the leaders, the, the elders, and they say, this is the problem. And the elders throw it back on them. You see that? Isn't that perfect leadership? Hey, you know what? We don't have time for this. You guys figure this out. You seven guys who are trustworthy, who are filled with the Holy Spirit, who you want to represent you in this task. And they were like, okay. And so the membership of the church made decisions about how the church should be structured and led and selected these seven men brought them before the elders, the leadership, and the elders said, yeah, those guys are awesome. We give you um, our blessing. And they became um, what we would call the first deacons, possibly. And so all these passages serve to illustrate, and again, they're kind of jumping around because there's no like chapter on how to set up a church in the New Testament, we get to glean that from how it actually goes down. And, and what we see is that there is a definitive set of people that somebody's keeping track of, at least in some sense, that they have responsibilities, that they have privileges, and that they're distinct from other people. And so that's, these are some of the reasons why I believe that it is a wise idea and Different churches differ on this, but the reason we have a formal membership role, which we will be instituting, is that we believe that this is what the Bible uh, leads us to do. Maybe the, you know, we, we're going to have a spreadsheet full of names, which Luke didn't have. But the idea that there are certain people that have officially said, I want to be a part of this church. I want to covenant myself, my family, with the rest of the people in this community for the sake of the gospel in this place. This is what we're doing. So what if you don't think that's a good idea? What, if you, what, what are some objections to this? What, what maybe are you thinking? Um, you know what? I don't like the idea of membership because it's just, it's just me and Jesus. Jesus called me to follow him and I accepted his invitation and we're, we're going to heaven together. I don't need this, this community thing. And that's just not true. Like, first of all, I mean, you're all at church, so maybe you think it's not true too, but I know a lot of people who are not connected to a community of God's people because they just don't think that they, did, they don't need to. And it's usually people that aren't really super... Uh, social anyway. I don't like people in general, so I'm not going to connect to a church. But, and we've talked about this a couple weeks in a row now, and you can listen to some previous messages if you need a refresher, but there is no Christian in the New Testament outside of the local church. Like, that, this is where Christians exist, in community with other Christians. And so to think that my, I don't need to uh, connect myself to a local community is to completely ignore everything about the New Testament that says what you should be doing as a Christian. What about, what about you? Why can't I just be here without making a commitment? 
You know, like we're, we have a membership covenant that we're going to be rolling out. And it says, here's, here's what I am uh, co- covenanting with the rest of this body to do, to be, to, the way I'm going to live my life together. And I'm going to sign my name on the bottom. You might be thinking, that's crazy. I'm not doing that. I just, I don't need that. I can just be here. And that's true. A lot of churches work that way. Uh, I grew up at a church where they said, if you come once, you're a visitor. And if you come twice, you're a member. Um, it was funny, though, when, when there was a big property decision, we, we had to come up with a different standard <laughs> for how we were going to vote on whether or not we should buy a building. But think of that argument in another context. You know, me and my girlfriend are in love. We don't need a piece of paper. We just, we're, it's so much easier to just live together and, and reap the benefits of that relationship. And why would we want to just, just sign ourselves away? Our love is pure and right and good, and we just besmirch it by making it official. If you're a dad in this room, are you, would you be a little weirded out by your daughter's boyfriend having that view? Yeah. Like, marriage is a covenant that is official, and it's in writing, and it's binding, because it's important. Like I said a couple weeks ago, we talked about how being a member of the church is the most important connection you can have in this world outside of your relationship with Jesus. And so to make an official commitment to another body of believers that says, I'm going to be there for you when you're in need, I think that's important. What about this? You know, I just don't agree with everything here. I, I just, there's things that bother me about this church. And you're right, there's, this is a church that's largely directed by the vision that God has given me, and there's things that bother me about this church. <laughs> like, there is no perfect church, right? Because we're all broken people. But do you agree with the things that matter most? Do you agree with the core beliefs and the core practices of the church that you're considering joining? What is their doctrinal statement? What do they think about Scripture? What's going to happen when there's a problem? Are they going to go to this book or are they going to make stuff up? What do they think about who Jesus is? What do they think about what the job of the church is in the world? What should we do it, be doing with our lives? Those are important questions that you should agree on before you join a church. But things like, man, I just don't love the music, or the children's ministry is a little... Those are things that you can join the church and then help them with, right? Because you obviously have skills. You see the problems. You can become the solutions. And the thing is, is like, I'm not, I'm not talking about this from a posture of, of being a leader, although that's my role. It applies to me too. Like, I'm, I'm a member of this church along with everyone that is a member of this church. I've been given a specific calling to do a specific job, but everyone has been given a specific calling to do a specific job. And so, there's not, it's not a, um, it's not a uh, opportunity for leaders to lord something over people, which is what I think we fear sometimes. But it's a commitment between equals to serve Jesus together. 
The fourth thing um, that maybe is an objection is, is to leadership. We read in Hebrews, obey and submit to your leaders. Like, that's a terrible verse. Who put that in the Bible? Right? Like, nobody wants to do that. But the way we organize ourselves, and I think it's the way the Bible tells us to, is we that are responsible for the spiritual life of this community. And we're all called to submit to those elders. And again, that's, I'm called to submit to the elders. I'm only one of the elders, and I can be outvoted. What about this one? If I become a member, people are going to get up in my business, and I'm not into that. I don't want people knowing stuff about my issues and my problems and the things that are going on in my life. I don't need that. I would argue that, yes, you do. You absolutely need that. Galatians 6 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you won't also be tempted. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Paul seems to be saying in Galatians that we need to be in each other's business. We need to be saying, hey, how are you doing? Are you struggling with sin? Can we talk about that? Can we pray about that? What are, how's work going? What are, is your marriage all right? Like, how are things with the kids? Those are questions that, that we immediately want to run from because when things are rough, when things feel broken, we want to hide that in the darkness. And we want church to be a place where everybody's just happy all the time. But that's not what Jesus put us together for. He put us together to help one another, to love one another, to be honest with one another. And so covenanting with one another, committing to one another and saying, yeah, I am going to be here. I'm going to be here for you. And I need you to be here for me because I'm going to blow it. and I'm going to need help. That's what membership is about. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says, And we exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. Look at all those categories of people that we are called to engage with. We need to get to know each other. We need to love each other. We need to be part of each other's lives in order to know, are you discouraged? Are you weak? How can I help? Are you idle? Do I need to exhort you? Warn you? James 5.16, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. We're super cool with confessing our sins to God. But how, how does it feel to confess your sins to each other? Like, hey, I've been really struggling this week. Um, there's this bitterness in my heart that I just can't deal with. Or I'm just, I'm angry with my spouse. Or I'm, I'm struggling with my use of the computer and lust. Like, are we a place, are we a people where we have said, you know what, I am here for you. I am committed to you. I'm going to walk you through that when you need help. And I'm expecting you to do the same for me. 
last possible objection that I want to go over. What, what about this one? The church is abusive. Have you heard this? Have you thought this? Uh, maybe, maybe you've experienced this. Maybe you've experienced significant pain from brothers and sisters in Christ in the church. And I apologize for that. That's, that's kind of broken people, but it shouldn't be the case. Or maybe you've just looked at the media and you've seen just all of the crazy stuff that's going on in the church and, and leadership uh, abusing power and, and um, just terrible situations with sex and money and, and all these things. And you just think, man, the church is a messed up place. And you're right. The church is a messed up place. But that's why we need members. That's why we need committed followers of Jesus to say, I'm going to get in there and I'm going to be a part of making it a place that proclaims the praises of Jesus and worships the Lord in the face of a community that is lost. The first part of Galatians Chapter one, Paul says, Paul, an apostle, not from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. To him be the glory forever and ever, amen. I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there is, are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. As we have said before, I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. So two questions. The first question is, who is this letter to? The churches of Galatia. And then what does he say that they're not doing? They're not guarding their community from false teaching. He doesn't write to the elders at the churches at Galatia. He writes to the churches at Galatia. And he says, people of God, you have a responsibility to shepherd yourselves, to protect yourselves from false teaching. And you're not doing it. And so as we look around the church and we see leaders that have been given too much power and are abusing it, when we see relationships that just start to go a little wacky, but we don't want to call anybody out on it because it would be embarrassing, that's on us. We've been given the responsibility as the community of God's people to stand up for what's true and what's right in love, in grace. But the reason the church goes crazy is because the people of the church have left their posts. And we need each other to be healthy. One more along those lines, 1 John 4, 1 says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And again, he's not talking to the elders. There's plenty of passages in scripture that speak to church leadership this is not one of them. He says, if somebody, somebody comes up and they have some crazy spiritual idea, that might be God speaking, but you need to test that. 
You don't need to say like, hey, Jim said this crazy thing. I need to go tell the pastor. I mean, you might need to go do that, but it's your responsibility to say, hey, what is going on here? Is this what God would have us do? Is this a correct use of power? Is this good doctrine? Is this right teaching? Is this biblical? Is this showing the love of Christ? That's on us as a people. So becoming a member at our church um, has, some, has some specific responsibilities. And this is, if you've looked up the membership covenant or our bylaws, this is exactly what it says. It, there's four responsibilities in the membership covenant, and, and they say this. Number one, to God. Each member should seek to grow in love and worship God through prayer and a personal study of God's word. He should desire to know him better, trust him more, and obey him fully. So the question is, as a member of in church, are you someone that's pursuing Christ? Are you following hard? Are you engaging in the disciplines, reading the word, prayer, silence, solitude? We had a debate last week about whether journaling really was a spiritual discipline. <laughs> but journaling. Two, to family. Each member should lovingly encourage, support, and spiritually strengthen family members, spouse, children, and parents as his or her most precious earthly responsibility. Now, sometimes that's the case, that you've been given a family to steward, to love, to grow in, and sometimes that family is broken, sometimes beyond repair, unfortunately, because of the sinful world that we live in. And so the church steps in, the community of God's people step in to become your family but for many of us who have close biological families, our care for our families are important. They're the relationships that we've been given to steward more than any other. Number three, members have responsibility to the church. Each member should pursue his or her God-given role in the body of Christ by biblically investing his or her energy, gifting, and income in the mission of God, by caring for the physical and spiritual needs of one another in the body of Christ, and by respecting those in leadership. Now, notice there aren't any rules in that statement. There's no like, you need to give... 8% of your gross income to the church. You need to volunteer seven times a week. You need to, you know, there, there's not a bunch of rules. It's, hey, you're a follower of Jesus. You've been given God's Holy Spirit. You have a responsibility to engage with God's people. What that looks like, it's between you and God. And then, fourthly, members have a responsibility to the world. Sharing in Christ's concern for extending the gospel to the world, each member should live in such a way that by their character and conduct, those around them may be able to see Jesus in their life. Because this is, this is what we are to be about, right? We are to be pursuing Christ. We're to be loving and leading the relationships that we've been given to steward. We're to be serving our church community well, and we're, and we're to be living our lives in such a way that people go, wow, what is so crazy and awesome about you, Christian? So we can go, let me tell you about that. So that's the responsibilities of a member at Revelation Church. What are the privileges of being a member? The first thing is the care and protection of a local spiritual family. 
We've talked about that a little bit. Like if, if you're a member of Revelation Church, we're gonna be here for you to the best of our abilities. I mean, we're all broken people and we all screw that up. But, but when I hear of a need, I should go, man, how can we meet that need? Maybe I don't have the ability or the skills or the income to meet that need, but somebody probably does in this community. How can we make that better for that person? How can we come alongside that person? And there's two aspects of this. We need to be people that are paying attention to the needs of others. Listen when people talk to you. But we also be, need to be willing to share our needs with others. Sometimes that can be scary, right? Like, I don't want to tell people that finances are rough because that's embarrassing. I want to put on a happy face. I don't want to be sad at church. But that's exactly what you need to do in order to... Huh, receive the privilege of being a member. You need to be honest. You need to be open with people. The second privilege of being a member is you get accountability and discipline. And you're like, that doesn't sound like a privilege to me. <laughs> but we need that. Like, hard things are good things. We need to be accountable to one another. We need to discipline one another. And discipline sounds terrible, but discipline and disciple are the same thing. And so we, we think about church discipline. I read a couple of verses at the beginning about how, you know, you kick the guy out because he's living in sin. Like, that's like an absolute resort to somebody who refuses to walk with Christ. Discipline is like, hey, let's get together and have coffee and talk about this passage. Okay, that sounds awesome. Hey, let's, you should come to our house. We have a community there and we have dinner every night. And, or every, every, every time we gather during the week and we, we open our Bibles and we talk about Jesus and we get to know each other. Oh, wow, that sounds awesome. Those are the things that we need to be about and those are the things that we get when we become members. And the third privilege that a member has is the right to be heard with regard to the beliefs and practices of the church. A member of Revelation Church has a voice. Like if, if, the, if myself or one of the other elders are approached by someone who like maybe doesn't even go to our church, just saw like an ad on Instagram or something and, and has some like paragraph of theo theological opinion about something, like I just don't care. I mean, maybe that's wrong, <laughs> but I just don't. If you come to visit our church and you've got a laundry list of ways it needs to change, I mean, maybe I should hear some of those things. Fresh eyes are good things. Uh, I'm going to ask Joel at some point what he thought of the gathering today. But in general, like, you don't have a say, right? Like, if you're not committed to the family, you don't get to choose what we have for dinner. You don't get to decorate a room. You don't get to do those things. But if you are, if you've said, you know what, I'm here. I'm part of this. This is my people. Then you have a voice. You also have, if you're called and qualified, the possibility of becoming an elder or deacon. Leadership is available to members who've committed themselves to a local body. And then thirdly, you get the opportunity to vote during major business decisions. Church members here vote on new members. We vote on appointing leaders. We vote on major pur purchases. Now, we're a young church and we haven't done much of that, but it will happen in the future. And to be a member, to be committed to this body gives you a say in the government of the church. 
So last thing, we're going to close. What do you have to do to be a member of Revelation Church? The first thing is you have to repent and believe the gospel. You have to be a Christian. You have to be a follower of Jesus. Secondly, you have to be baptized as a believer in third thing is you have to agree with our doctrinal statement. If you don't, it's probably not a good idea to plug in here. Fourth, you have to complete a membership orientation course, which this is, so there you go. Uh, And then you have to be 18 years old because of laws. (laughs) And then we have a short membership covenant that's available on our website that you Say, yeah, I'm in. I want to be a part of that. And then and you sign your name and say, I'm committing my resources, my abilities, my life to this community. And that's not like a... I use the marriage analogy, and it's not quite like that. There's plenty of reasons why that agreement would end. Maybe you move. Maybe you feel called to, you know, join DOXA. I mean, that's cool. Be a member there. <laughs> maybe you, maybe something goes terribly wrong in my soul and the, the leadership and, and the doctrine just gets heretical. I hope that's not the case. But that would be a situation where you'd go, you know what, I shouldn't be a member here because we've fallen out of agreement about what the gospel is, about who Jesus is. Maybe leadership becomes abusive. Again, heaven forbid that that would happen. But there are real reasons why it becomes unhealthy to be a member at a specific church. But in the absence of all those things, I think the Bible leads us to say that we should be intimately connected with our community of Jesus people. And the way we have decided to make that official in our context, is through membership. So, next week, we're going to talk a little bit about the leadership structure of the church. We're going to talk about the elders and what they do and who they are and and how that works. Um, And then we're going to respond to some questions. And then at the end of the series, anyone who feels called to become a member of Revelation Church will have the opportunity to do so. Um, And so I would just continue to have everybody who's a part of our community just pray about that. Maybe membership, I know I've talked to some of us and it's membership is like, yeah, I was a member at my old church and I'm planning on being a member here. What's that look like? Some of you are like, man, I have no experience with a formal membership process and it sounds super weird to me. Um, I'd love to help you process those thoughts if you have questions or concerns. But ultimately, I think the question is, do you want to be a part of the people of God in a real and tangible way? Or do you just want to sit on the sidelines, attend on Sundays? And I would hope that that we would seek God's best for our lives through membership in a local church. So, one of the ways we celebrate who we are as Christians is we, we share the Lord's Supper together. 
And as we, we're going to sing a little bit more, and the communion is going to be available, the bread and the cup, there's wine and juice, which is your preference based on your conscience. If you are a follower of Christ this morning, I would love it if you would share the Lord's Supper with us. If you're not a Christian, if you're, if you're thinking maybe uh, you have questions, maybe you're just here kind of um, wrestling with some of those things, that's awesome. We want you to be here. Your questions Nobody's afraid of your questions, especially Jesus. And, and we would love to interact with you as you seek truth. But the way I like to talk about it is the communion meal is a pledge of allegiance to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And if that's not where you're at this morning, like you probably shouldn't do that. But for the rest of us, if, if we... As we take the bread and take the cup, we remember Jesus on the night that he instituted the Lord's Supper. And he said, take this, remember me, my body broken, my blood shed. We remember a historical reality in the past. We rejoice in the fact that that historical reality gives us new life in the present. And we hope in what Jesus says that I'm not going to drink of this again until that day when I'm together with you in the kingdom. And we have that hope that someday we're all going to be together with him in the kingdom having that meal. And so reflect on those things. Um, sing with us. We sing to God, but we also sing to one another, reminding each other with the scripture. Uh, and just, I just pray that the, the spirit would just have an opportunity to move in the next couple of minutes. You've been listening to the Revelation Church Coeur d'Alene podcast. Learn more about Revelation Church at revelationcda.com.